Bond is back. We are the Spy Fi Guys, and this is No Time to Die. Welcome to the Spy Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we have a special Dead Drop episode for you covering the 25th James Bond movie, No Time to Die. That's right. And as always, it will be full spoilers. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, hang up now. We yes, are not stopping yes. this freight train. Or perhaps I should say we are not stopping this Aston Martin. There is a train in the movie, too. <laughs> Although it's not, it does not feature in any like big like action scenes, surprisingly. We have a guest today, uh, a familiar guest, if you listened to any of our, well, aside from Hunt for Red October, any of the other Tom Clancy movies, and also not our James Bond draft, we have Lance. Hi, everybody. Congratulations on your win, Lance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I promise to win with dignity. Uh-huh. Sure. Mainly because I'm afraid of Sarah. <laughs> Sarah and her wrath. That's, that's fair. Exactly. Enough. Lance and I were lucky enough to go to a special screening of the movie, an early screening that happened simultaneously with the premiere in London, uh, thanks to our good friends at the spy at the spy museum. Zach had a ticket but was unable to go. So me and Lance can give sort of the perspective of being there and being and then not being able to talk about it for about a week and a half until the rest of the US had seen it. Was there anything special at the screening itself? Any special events? Well, we did have a special like greeting from Daniel Craig. That's right. We had that. That's cool. I didn't get any special <laughs> greeting from Daniel Craig. And I think that was just for the for that yeah, that was year because I went and saw it uh, again over the weekend because there's just so much in the movie. There was no special Daniel Craig moment. Needing to rely on you for, you know, actually having, because I guess you're, Zach, you've only seen it once, right? I did, but I just saw it recently, so I feel like that fair should enough, count for something. Enough. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So this time, we will not be doing a detailed plot synopsis. We will do a more general plot synopsis, because the movie is almost three hours long, and there <laughs> would be too much to talk about. Yeah, so it'll be a little more freeform today. So, you know, we'll talk about each scene, but I'm not going to go about go through every single plot point. Broken into sort of like, yeah, different chunks of the movie, and we can just talk about what we felt about in all those different areas. All right, so do we have a synopsis? Yeah, we do. Here's the IMDb synopsis. James Bond has left active service. His peace is short-lived when Felix Leiter, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. And that is not correct. <laughs> he wow. is living a peaceful life, and then Felix shows up at his door one day. Yeah, because it was like five years later. Yeah, after a big fight scene. I mean, we, we do see him in retirement and, you know, it doesn't start the movie that way. But, you know, we get he, we get to him at that point and he's seemingly living a peaceful life, although he still has guns around him. Yeah, he has a peaceful life that is shattered twice in the space of about yeah. five years. Yeah, let's talk about the pre-credit scenes first. So we have this is the first time we've had like a flashback in a James Bond movie, I think. As far as I can remember. Yeah, I don't recall any either. So we get a flashback to Madeline. Like now, if vote for those who remember Spectre, there's a scene where uh, Madeline's on on the train with Bond, and Bond's trying to teach her how to use a gun, and she's like, she tells a story about how her dad kept the gun under the uh, under the sink with the, next to the bleach, and how a man tried to kill come to kill him, and she, 
we don't hear exactly what happened, but we get it here that, you know, she, first of all, the, the uh, hitman killed her mother, which we didn't know. That's right. And then Safin, who we find out that's who it is. That she kills, she tries to kill him with a gun and then she gets stuck under the ice and she save and he saves her. I would like to know how he survived getting shot like six times with a handgun and is perfectly fine. I thought he was going to be like Wolverine, like some kind of super soldier. We could regenerate his body. That would be a tough villain for James Bond to defeat. <laughs> uh-huh. To get a little bit technical. Yeah. I guess that's my job. <laughs> um, I kind of had a feeling that he had some type of Kevlar underneath his yeah. jacket because when she shoots him, especially at, at that range, I mean, there would have been you know blood splatter all over the place and there wasn't any. So to me, it would make sense that you know the vest would have absorbed whatever shots that he had taken. But still, uh, you know, feel like that he got the no- wind knocked out of him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he took, yeah, like Zach said, yeah. he took like six rounds, almost center mass. That's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why he fell over. And then that's why he, <gasps> and then like, he, you know, <gasps> is alive. Exactly. Yeah. This beginning was almost like a horror movie beginning yeah. where they keep shooting Jason and he keeps getting back up. And then Jason is nice and saves her at the end. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, so after that, we go to Matera. Well, first, we get a beautiful shot of the Aston Martin DB5 just driving. Like, I loved the car in general. And then, Zach, here, because me and Atlantis noticed this, but I'm wondering if you did. And I guess you, no, I'm guessing you probably didn't. Did you notice any musical cues in during the driving scene that were familiar? Was it just the James Bond music? Because I did notice that a couple times. No. no. Then, in that no. case, no, I did not notice. All right, for our bigger James Bond fans out there, they had, you know, if you didn't hear it, there was a reprise of All the Time in the World from On Her Majesty's Secret Service during, like, when they're driving. Just on the one hand, say, oh, you know, Bond's having a happy life, and then also just get your cockles up because something's going to happen. Yeah, especially if you're familiar with with the movie, Um, especially when they're driving in the car and they're in a hurry to get somewhere. And he mm-hmm. even says the line, we have all the time in the world, don't we? He does. And as soon as he said that, if you're, like I said, if you're familiar with Honor Majesty's Secret Service, that is very, very foreboding that bad things are about to happen. Yeah. I would not say that I'm very familiar with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I've seen it maybe twice. I remember he wears a kilt. I remember the skiing. I remember he gets married and his wife dies, which I feel are the important parts. I do not remember the music. <laughs> oh, Zach, 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 my sweet summer child. I never claimed to be a super James Bond fan. That was you guys. <laughs> anyway, so we if have... I met you, I would. <laughs> Bond vis- visits Vesper's grave and it blows up. And Okay, and I have a question hates. about this. Yes. How exactly does the bomb at Vesper's grave work? Please explain this to me. Did Spectre just have it there for years and years and years waiting for James Bond to show up so they could set it off? Probably. Well, probably probably not because I thought it was a very, very early on emotional moment (laughs) when when Bond goes up to Vesper's grave. And, you know, all the way up through this moment, uh, he's always been... He's always been James Bond. He's, well, he's been always been James Bond, but he's been very um, angry toward, towards Vesper. Every time you know Vesper's name gets brought up or so on and so right. forth. Right, especially I mean, with Bonamus Solace. 
especially in Quantum of Solace, um, but even at the end of uh, Casino Royale, I mean, he had his line is, you know, the bitch is dead. You know, the whole thing about that scene when they're at, at the, I guess, the hotel room or whatever, and they're talking about leaving the past in the past and moving forward, you know, and he writes the little note. Uh, and then it's not until he actually gets to her grave where he goes to light it and he had written down, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was, you know, a big emotional moment f- for Bond. Um, it was nice to see it. it. Yeah, it was. But I think going back to your question, you know, Spectre in particular, you know, Blofeld, you know, like he mentioned later on, uh, he always knew at some point in time Bond was going to go back to uh, her grave. So he's probably had somebody, you know, there, you know, waiting for him to show up all these years. And so he, he gets into town. Spectre is going to know that he's there. And so that's why, you know, they had planted the the Spectre business card uh, in the <laughs> in the flowers. And so I can see, you know, like one of you know, the graveside attendants uh, remotely detonating the bomb, trying to kill him. Yeah, I like your explanation, Lance, of they had guys in the area when they see a very distinctive looking Aston Martin drive in. They're like, oh, it's James Bond. Go plant the bomb. Go plant the card. Go plant the assassins, et cetera, et cetera. Spectre is the League of Super Spies. It's not exactly beyond their capability. Exactly. And, and they're yeah. all going to know who, who Bond is and what he looks like. So, um, yeah. He doesn't exactly travel incognito for a super n- spy. No. Well, like you said, he's he's done. He's out of the service. I mean, he still, you know, kind of looks over his shoulder, you know, which Leosudo promptly calls out, you know, in the beginning when they're walking up the steps. You know, but he still has probably, you know, relaxed somewhat. Yeah, it's all good. I don't have a problem with James Bond being very flamboyant, very ostentatious, because that's what he's been like since the beginning of the movie series. He was never really a spy. I've heard him say, and Lance, let me know if this is correct. I've heard people say that James Bond is more like an operative than a spy, whereas he goes out and kills spies. He isn't so much a spy himself. I I would definitely say that's true as far as the Daniel Craig version of Bond goes. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe to a certain extent, you know, the earlier Sean Connery movies. I mean, he's never gone anywhere like, say, going back to Under Majesty's Secret Service, where he was pretending to be somebody else. He was undercover. Mm -hmm. Um, Daniel Craig's Bond, as far as I can tell, never really has done that. He's been more straight up, you know, assassin using his license to kill. Basically, yes. Well, I seem to remember a lot in the classic movies, he'd be like, this is some enemy spy. Go find them and put a stop to them. That sure sounds like ops to me. Oh, definitely. So, guys, did you notice in the gun barrel opening, Bond turns and shoots and there's no blood? I did notice that. Is this the first James Bond movie where he turns and shoots and there's no blood? No, actually... When Daniel Craig was on Jimmy Kimmel's show the other day, and I actually just watched a YouTube clip of this last night, they were actually talking about you know, him doing the whole gun barrel scene. And they actually had all four moments um, yeah. on a quad screen of, of him doing it. I, Quantum it, didn't have blood? Or, I, think, no. I think only one of them did. No, mm-hmm. so I mean, Casino Royale had the blood going down, but there wasn't at the traditional spot in the movie, in the beginning. Quantum was at the end of the movie, and I feel like... No, there was something different. Like, I think the blood, like... That one maybe washed him out. Where the blood was, like, uh, dripping down the screen, like, horror movie style. 
No, that mm-hmm. was Casino Royale. Was it? Well, yeah. yeah. It jumped okay. out to me because I was like, these freaking PG-13 movies can't have blood anywhere, not even as a graphic. And I mean, we're just going to get, we're full of spoilers here. So some people right. have said that the reason why there's no blood is because he dies at the end. Because uh, it proves that he missed, he like, failed his mission, he missed his mark kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, that's, I don't though? believe that. I don't believe that. <laughs> no, I, I don't like that explanation at all. Yeah. That's just I the think theory. it's more a stylistic choice just because, like, you know, you're fading into the white of the snow. And I think, you know, it works better that way if it just fades out. It actually like, does look better, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that explanation much better. When they actually brought back the Vesper music from Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, oh, yeah. that yeah. hit me. I was like, because I was expecting, I was expecting to see her grave. Read some like they kept showing a grave and like in the trailers. I'm like, uh, it's probably Vesper, isn't it? I was like, there's no way M's buried out there, but Vesper, I can see being buried out there. I feel like yeah, they probably maybe they had it set in place for a while, but and. Because I, I think even when Blow, you know, when Blowfield shows up later, he said something to the effect of, you know, it's only a matter of time before you visited Vesper's grave. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, we sort of got that. Okay. So next we had the major fight and chase scene that was in all the trailers. Yes. Where Bob goes yeah. over the bridge, hole <laughs> on the wire, and then the so it goes from like a Aston foot Martin. chase to a yeah. bike chase to a car chase, mm-hmm. which was pretty good. So the only major thing I have to say about this is that I liked all the gadgets and I really liked the part. And this wasn't made clear in the trailers what was happening. But yeah. when he was sitting in the middle of the open area yeah. and the guys are shooting the safety glass over and over and over. And they're not shooting at Bond. They're shooting at Madeline. Hmm. And Madeline's like, Bond, do something. And he's just looking at her like, no, not until you tell me what's going on. Really good stuff. So here's the question. Did you buy that Bond believed that she betrayed him? Yes. Okay. All right. I think so. And the reason why is it's because of Vesper. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I like in the moment I was like, kind of like, uh, I mean, I know that they need to do this to like separate them to have them, you know, the story play out as it did. And I feel like if I had a second viewing of it, it would, like the fact, you know, is that she's the one who kept saying "go to Vesper's grave and this will all be over" kind of thing. Is like, oh, and that's why he thinks that she might be actually part of this. I thought that it was stupid that he believed that she betrayed him so easily, but I believed that he wasn't faking it. That's what I'm trying to get at, Zach. Did you like? Did you buy that? Is I did. And, yes. Okay. I mean, I I don't think it was stupid. I think the fact that you know he's at Vesper's grave. And so mm-hmm. he's got all uh, those so he's got memories, all those emotions. emotions. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, the I hypersensitivity to everything. Uh-huh. The, the emotional PTSD, if you were. Yeah. Um, so he's instantly just going to be like, you know, he's here like we go again. Up. Yeah. He's like wound up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And ready to lash out at somebody close. And then, he, and then of course, Madeline gets that phone call. I like the little graphic on the, on the phone as it like goes into like a specter secure <laughs> yeah. line and then shows up the little logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that didn't help. I will say, because the attack on Bond's life was so incompetent, it made <laughs> me think they weren't actually trying to kill him; that they were just trying to scare him. Mm-hmm. You know or, what I mean? What, well, here's here's what I think. I I actually agree with you, Zach. I don't think necessarily they were trying to kill him, mm-hmm. um, because I mean they could have had plenty of opportunity to do it. You know, they were just trying to get to him emotionally. They were trying to get to him emotionally and take away, you know, killing. When you when you die, you're dead. You don't care anymore. But mm-hmm. you know, 
knowing that he would probably get rid of the one thing in his life that was pure and good to him, uh, that he loved, um, and they succeeded. They're um, trying to take his marriage. Ah, how caught up are you on the Spy Fi guys, Lance? I'm pretty caught up. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to take Valerie Plame's marriage and they oh, couldn't. Oh, boy, Harry. Oh, God. Don't That's even go there with her with me. <laughs> The fight scene was really good, and then I love the mini yeah. guns popping out of the headlights of the DB5, <laughs> which are a new thing. Even though we saw it a million times in the trailers, yeah, but it was still cool just to <laughs> see it and see the donut. Well, I thought it was neat. I thought it was kind of like the first real throwback to the earlier Bond movies when when gadgets were a lot more significant than they have been with Craig's Bond. Yeah. Yeah, even in Casino Royale, he barely had any, if I recall. I don't think yeah. his car did anything, except it crash. It had, it had a gun rack. Uh-huh. rack. Okay, so then this is the five-year jump, right? He's like, Madeline, I'm never going to see you again. Mm-hmm. And he puts her on a train, the freight train that doesn't stop. So, <laughs> when I saw five years later, and then what happened at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. it made me think of another big movie that was the end of, a, of an era. Endgame? Yep. 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 I was going to say, what is it with these big movies and five-year gaps? I don't know. I, don't, I think it's a long enough time that you can definitely going to be things that are different, but it's not long enough that your your actors will look like they have they need to age too much. Well, I think too the the five-year time span was important to the very significant plot point towards the middle. Yes. Yeah. When I we mean, we meet yeah. a certain person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then there was also before we get to Bond, though, there's like we see like this little break in happening in the lab. We meet the very goofy scientist who I do not remember his name, but yeah, he was like he was like in a whole his whole other movie. That was hilarious to me. I liked how he was so willing to go along with whoever happened to be holding his hand at that moment. <laughs> so he's in Jamaica. He's basically. Because where else would Bond be? Living like Ian Fleming <laughs> at this point. Like Ian Fleming's dream life. So what was the Daniel Craig movie where he quits and then they have to bring him back and he's doing the drinking contest with the spider? Sky it Skyfall? Skyfall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was kind of a little bit like, come on, guys. We've seen this already. Yeah, but that was only he was only gone for like a few months in Skyfall. This is yeah. five years. Five years later. Five long years later. <laughs> the only thing that could have made his retirement more perfect is if he actually was staying at Goldeneye in like Ian Fleming's old, you know, villa. Right. <laughs> does it still exist? Could they have oh, filmed yeah. it there? So, no. Yes, it does. But I think, but it's like a resort hotel now. Like you can stay in Goldeneye in the Ian Fleming suites. Oh, nice. It costs like thousands of dollars. And, you know, I'm not a financially there yet where i can do that for just you know a few nights but yeah, i have, I have a new life goal now <laughs> maybe for the maybe. second honeymoon christian yeah you can sit at his desk i think i don't know if the golden typewriter is still there that he wrote all of you know his novels on i'm sure that there's a copy of birds of the west indies somewhere in his apartment there somewhere Which, in the background yeah yeah but when we see him and he goes in, he's, you know, he sees a cigar on what the dresser or something. And <laughs> the name of the cigar caught my eye. It's the Delectados, which are featured in Die Another Day of all movies. So is and the idea that out right away? Yeah. 
So is the idea that Felix is the one who smokes cigars? Because I do yeah. not remember yeah. Felix smoking cigars in previous movies. He did in Quantum. Yeah, only in only in the Daniel Craig Bond. Well, yeah, yeah, but only in the most forgettable Daniel Craig one. Oh, oh. Well, you. but you know it's true. By the way, I know you guys hate the James Bond codename theory. No, no, shut up now. <laughs> Don't even go there. But what Don't. about the Felix Leiter codename theory? No. Same. That's stupid Same thing. too. Why is it stupid? There's less evidence undermining it. No. It makes as much sense as the codename theory, which is zero. <laughs> okay. And plus to it, I mean to dispel the, the codename thing, like even in uh Skyfall, when they go back to his old house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, Lance, I saw it. I know. The James Bond theory is dead. I'm saying the, the Felix Leiter theory. theory could live. <laughs> Except in the Daniel Craig's, there's only been one Felix. It's not like so, it's switched. Well, okay, yes, but in the other movies, there have been a whole bunch of them. Well, Christian and I both hate it, so... <laughs> Except uh-huh. the, same, the one from uh, Live and Let Die with Roger Moore shows up with Timothy Dalton in Live, License to Kill. Okay, what's wrong with that? Like, he plays... Light, he plays lighter for two different James Bonds. I don't know. It just makes. Oh, and, I oh, and plus, I mean, if you want to go there with Tim, the first Timothy Dalton movie, um, no, yes. at at the wedding, um, when the Della, uh huh, marries Felix, the second and, Timothy Dalton movie. Was it the second? Yep, that's License Kill. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> um, and you know, James is like, you know, I, I've quit smoking or whatever. Um. And then oh. she goes to throw him the bouquet, yeah. and he just kind of like gets sullen for a minute and, and drives off. And he then Felix, yeah, Felix explains that. And you know, if it was just you know random new guy Felix, you probably wouldn't know that. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And and All right, fine. And and why would new guy Felix have Bond be his best man at his wedding? Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, I, but that is this. That is the one who plays who's been the previous Felix before. Okay, we've already spent too much time on this. <laughs> I just wanted to put it out there. And you were answered, and it's a terrible idea. All right. Okay. We meet Nomi, who is, yeah, let's talk out, about is the her. new 007. And I thought she was great. Like, I loved oh, the quick change of, like, all right, like, just how her, you know, her accent changed, her body language, it changed entirely once she takes off, you know, the wig that she has on and mm-hmm. goes from, you know, being like, you know, um, Jamaican bar girl to, you know, badass double O agent. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, no, she she owned that that role for yeah. sure. And not just any double O agent, double O seven. Which so the rumors were true. Yeah, and I thought they handled it pretty well. Yeah. So I liked how she was really good at being an agent, but she didn't feel the need to upstage Bond at every turn. Yeah. That I call pulling a reverse song. Like she recognized <laughs> that he uh-huh. was more experienced and that she could learn from him. So she wasn't like well, talking it didn't down to him. Start that way. There's a little bit of friction between them, which is yeah. totally understandable under the circumstances. And Christian, as you may recall, when we first talked about her being the new 007, I said they should have retired his jersey. How many times has he saved the world? <laughs> but then they addressed that in the movie and they were like, yeah, Bond, you are just another brick in the wall. And it seemed totally legitimate, like the kind of thing they would absolutely do is be like, he's left. We're just going to replace him and we're moving on. Yeah, we're, we're uncaring. We're professional. We're 
non-sentimental. Mm-hmm. You know, you left us, so out you go. Well, they're non-sentimental when he chooses to quit. When something else happens to him later in the movie, they are sentimental about it. But in that case, it makes sense. Agreed. So it all it all works. Agreed. I guess we didn't really talk about the, the Felix, you know, Rick needs him to do a mission because he can't go to Cuba for some odd reason. <laughs> That's a great question. Why? <laughs> well, Felix can't, but his CIA hottie, who only has three weeks of training, can, apparently. Well, well I think, she's I think, actually Cuban. Yeah, and, and plus... So I she's didn't ex- there in Cuba. I didn't exactly buy the whole... You know, especially after the whole action sequence where she only had three weeks of training. And she even kind of made like a... A, a sarcastic, you know, wink when Bond looked at her and was like, you know, what, three weeks? And she just kind of <laughs> like looked at him and giggled. Yeah. And well, so I'm was... wondering though if Felix couldn't go to Cuba because of uh, either he didn't trust or he didn't want to go with Ash. That makes sense because he obviously doesn't care for him, uh, being a the political appointee that he is, and Felix yeah. being you know old school. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm Felix Slider. I do what I want. <laughs> it's a little bit of an unnecessary complication, though. He could have just said, I am choosing not to go to Cuba because I don't do field work anymore. Like, yeah, it makes him seem a little bit less cool, but it's a lot cleaner of an explanation than he just can't go to Cuba for some unknown reason. Cuba, we get the Spectre Blofeld's birthday party <laughs> with, like, apparently all of the Spectre agents ever. Now that you know we're we're talking about it, and I'm thinking about it a little bit more, do you think maybe Felix knew that maybe because Bond had more experience with Spectre? That I mean, technically, he had some experience with Spectre too. It was just you know part of it, quantum. Right. I mean, probably, but if he if he knew of Spectre and he knew that he still got a grudge against them, yeah, I can imagine so that. You know, Leiter was trying to look out for his bud and say, you know what, you need to do this. Yeah, you need and, closure. And given that it's a spy movie, it also makes sense that he wouldn't just tell Bond, Bond, we need you at Spectre, they're back. <laughs> Though I will say, thinking about this scene later, from a storytelling perspective, and you guys can let me know if you agree with this, I felt like it was a little bit cluttered to have Spectre only to kill them and have this new guy appear as the new threat. Consider yeah. the following. Hang on, let me finish. Consider the following. <laughs> okay. I don't remember how Spectre ended. I don't remember Spectre that well. I probably should have seen it before seeing this movie. But I remember that Bond blows up a big building and he yeah. captures Blofeld alive. So consider if in this movie, it begins with Spectre destroyed and Rami Malek fills the vacuum, much like how in the real world, like in Munich, when they kill the terrorists, all it does is leave a power vacuum waiting for someone even worse to come in and fill it. Mm. I mean, mm. yes. That, I feel I like it's even worse if Spectre's gone just off screen. But Spectre already is gone because it was in the previous movie. Well, no, Spectre but wasn't was... gone, just Blofeld. I yeah, mean, Blofeld's Spectre... captured, but clearly, as it's seen here, they're still operating. Like the, We didn't talk about it, but the people who broke into the lab were Spectre. So Spectre's mm-hmm. still operating, and we find out later that Blofeld is still running Spectre from his cell in Belmarsh. Yeah. Well, in that case, I think it's a little bit dumb that Spectre is wiped out just because 20 people got gassed in a single room. I feel like the, not actually all of Spectre is probably just like all, you know, the heads of Spectre. Yeah. So you exactly. have the, still the lower ranking people who could probably take over. But okay. Yeah. 
like Hydra. I yeah. seem to remember someone in the movie saying like Spectre is dead or something yeah. like that. Well, the, the, yeah, the head of Spectre is dead. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're going to get you know, now some probably smaller people. Yeah, like Christian filling in say. the ranks. Yeah, yeah, filling in the ranks. But, you know, they're not going to be as experienced. They're not going to be as good. They're not going to have the connections. I mean, so they're not necessarily dead, but I mean, they're uh, a shell of their former selves. Yeah, they always survive while I lose everything. So exactly. I like that they did have there was one person from Spectre who I recognized in that that scene, the one talking in German at the big Spectre meeting. But I'm like sure that there are probably others who were you know around as well. Mm-hmm. What I was hoping would be cool for me if it was like if you saw like you know Daniel Cra- Daniel Craig era versions of like other Spectre members from like the Connery era, like <laughs> if you saw a Largo with an eye patch or something like that. Well, that would have been cool. You don't think that would be too goofy? Eh, depends on how they did it. If they didn't like focus on it, but you could like yeah. you know, with like a bunch of other stuff. You know, there was a guy with with an eye patch in the background and a sh- standing next to a, a short Russian lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be subtle. It doesn't have to be over the top. Mm-hmm. I admire that. So also in this scene, I know we already talked about Anna Darmus a little bit, Yeah. but a little bit more about her. So first of all, I saw her dress, her very, very sexy dress. And I imagined Sarah's head like exploding somewhere off the Western seaboard. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Sarah wasn't my first thought. <laughs> okay, thank you. But anyway, so do you think this character was like a compromise with the feminists where we'll have this sexy chick, but James Bond doesn't hook up with her and she shoots a bunch of people and kicks a bunch of people in the face? I don't yeah, think I mean, it was a compromise um, because, I mean, the way Daniel Craig's Bond is gone. You know, I, I think about that before. <laughs> yeah, actually, now that you're I'm like, thinking about you're it. You're like, uh... No, there like, have been disposable like, no. women, sadly. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, no, that one was disposable. Well, okay, no, maybe that one too. I mean, at okay, least so I take it all Monica back. Bellucci didn't die. <laughs> no, she, she didn't die. Very small role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig actually, in an interview, he said that he doesn't, he doesn't, well, want any more Bond girls. Basically, like you know that. The, so I think Paloma was his, you know, yeah, I think in a way a compromise, but also just a, sort of an evolution of the Bond woman. This is from me as like, all right, you know, there's nothing wrong with a woman in a sexy dress. Being sexy is not you know, the enemy of fem- feminism. Fe- you know, feminists can still want to look good. <laughs> I agreed. Let's just say there's division on the subject and move on from that. Though, one last thing actually about the dress is I saw this with my sister Alana, who was on the Spy Kids episode. Check it out. Plug, plug, plug. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is not me saying it. This is her saying it. Okay. Anna would have had at least one nip slip during that. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's not me saying it. It did not occur to me. She said that. That's what tape is for. Well, I mean, they're they're at a cocktail party, so I mean, the the dress was fitting. I mean, it's not like they were going to like you know a football game and she's wearing a a little black dress kind of right. thing going no. on. It makes sense. Also, I like the dual wielding, the Uzi and the the gun, like blam blam blam, blah blah blah, blam blah blam. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's pretty freaking sweet. You know, hard to pull off, but in real life, but you know, looks cool as hell. well sure i mean it's a movie so whatever and then i also like at the end when she's like okay i'm done goodbye yeah (laughs) and she never comes back i thought she was gonna come back later in the end of the movie but no she's out she's done (laughs) she's like my my work here is done zip lines off the roof 
Well, I, I kind of like there was like that one tiny, brief, awkward moment mm-hmm. where she leads him down to the wine cellar. Mm-hmm. You know, Bond made some kind of like innuendo, and she's just like, "Oh no, I just brought you here so you could change clothes." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, old habits die hard." Uh. Yeah, <laughs> much like Bond himself. <laughs> But yeah, so throughout all that, you also have Nomi, you know, once, well, basically once everything goes to shit. So did you see the virus switch coming? That the scientists would swap the virus the bad guy wanted to use with like one that would kill all of Spectre? Yeah. Uh, no, it made me feel like the scientist had a little bit more going on than he actually did. Because for mm-hmm. most of the movie, he's pretty passive and just does whatever he's told to do, but not well, here. Well, he was told to do that. Oh, oh yeah, well, he yeah, definitely was told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was clever. It was, it was a nice touch. And since we're here, why don't we talk about Heracles? So mm-hmm. I know this is written pre-COVID, but I could only think about COVID when, <laughs> I, when Heracles came out. It's like, a, like I think I described it to, to my sister as basically this is like you know weaponized, targeted her- COVID. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially with how they were going on about how easily transmitted it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in in the one scene later when Bond and Madeline are in the in the prison with with Blofeld, um, since we're definitely spoiler free here, all he did was grab her wrist for like yeah. two seconds, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I'm well, slightly unclear at if it's a passed by it's passed by touch, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's revealed that it's nanobots. It's not yeah, actually it's, it's, a germ yeah, weapon. A, yeah, no, it's it's nanobots. So it's passed mm-hmm. by touch. And I guess we, we'll get to it when we get there. My question about the how, what, what Safin's plan was. Don't talk to me about Safin's plan. Oh my gosh. But we'll get to it. Yeah, I think I kind of <laughs> know where you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about you, Lance. I did not really think of COVID per se. I feel like there have been other germ or bioweapons in James Bond before. And if not James Bond specifically, then certainly lots of secret agent or action movies. I honestly didn't think about it at the time, mm-hmm. you know, but when Christian mentioned it after the movie, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the whole, you know, Spectre party or when it goes, all goes to shit, we have Nomi coming in and like trying to take the scientist. And I like how there's a little back and forth between her and Bond. Just mm-hmm. sort of like who's trying, who's going to actually end up with the scientist. Then we go to like the boat. Mm-hmm. I knew Ash, there was something off about him the whole time for me. I was like, there's there's no way he's not a traitor. Oh, the American guy who smiles all the time? Yeah. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's too pretty to be a spy. <laughs> he has no rugged quality about him. He was he was very underutilized in this movie, I felt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then he killed Felix. Is this, this is the first time we've had a de- an actually dead Felix, as opposed to just a mostly dead Felix. Yeah, and not eaten by a shark, Felix. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was pretty dead, Dad. I will say that. Sort of oh. like in the movie Serenity, I like that it upped the stakes. Like, something of consequence is actually happening. Oh, so guys, I have a quick thing that I wanted to say. I have it in my notes, but I forgot to say it at the time. Which is, I like how the villains plan in the beginning, when they're trying to kill James Bond, is uh, release the sheep into the road. James Bond won't run over sheep, not even to save his own life and the life of the woman he loves. Well, that was a lot of sheep, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, another theory is he can't run over the sheep because it'll get caught up in the Aston Martin's grill and then it'll stop. It'll just be dead sheep everywhere. 
All I heard was dead sheep everywhere. Okay, sorry for distracting us. We're still on Felix's death. Yeah, like, I... Mm, I had a feeling that he was going to die for some reason. I don't know why. But so, I just saw the gunshot. Oh, oh no, this is not good. Yeah, there was something Which very... Which is a shame, because, like, he was a great Felix lighter. He, like... So I some I tried not to watch too much like too many reviews or anything about this before we actually recorded this podcast because mm-hmm. I just wanted you know to affect you know how we anything we said right but, like a decision but I did end up watching a bunch of interviews with him and so like he talked about how in the casting for Casino Real they said oh they want you know want you for maybe some like CIA agent and he he was on his who said to his agent wait CIA agent is this Felix Leiter? Because if so, I'm in. <laughs> so he's yeah. a big fa- fan from back in the day. He said, like, his model was, like, the Jack Lord from back at Dr. No. Yeah, the, the Jack Lord uh, Felix is probably my second favorite Felix behind uh, Jeffrey Wrights. Because in the Roger Moore ones, he kind of had that campy... Well, he only had aloof. one Felix in Live and Let Die. Yeah, but he it just wasn't... Yeah. Somebody that I would expect to be a top-notch CIA agent. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Bond's equivalent, almost. Yeah. But yeah, with this film, uh, Jeffrey Wright, it becomes the longest-running Felix Leiter actor with three different movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. A long period of time, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because Daniel Craig was Bond for 15 years, basically, that's been, but sadly, only five movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sucked that it seemed like he was going to survive. Uh-huh. For a minute there, but then I also like that he like sacrificed himself to save James Bond. Mm-hmm. That's always a nice emotional catharsis. Say goodbye to a character rather than just have them die like suddenly and violently and pointlessly, which mm-hmm. is often the case. Like with Mathis in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, yeah. Whoever that is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Felix's death for just one more thing. I did, and I told Lance, you know, after the screening. If you watch this death and watch Vesper's death and like his reaction to both is very similar. Like he's mm-hmm. like there floating and you, you see just the body floating and then, you know, falling away backwards. Mm-hmm. And he's like just furiously swimming, trying to, you know, and like pissed off and angry. Yep. That's yeah, the way was... James Bond reacts to everything. But yeah, like was... the framing of it, the shots was like very similar as well too. So. Yeah, when they had him like floating down towards you know the bottom of I'm guessing you know the stern of the ship. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very reminiscent of when Vesper pushed herself away from the, the elevator, uh, elevator door. doors. Yeah. Um, so the two people he's cared about probably, or two of the three anyway, that he's mm-hmm. cared about most in his life, you know, have no, all I'm died. Too. <laughs> she did. Um, she didn't drown, but there was water nearby. There was definitely water involved. <laughs> M didn't also didn't necessarily sacrifice herself for Bond. She just uh, she was killed. Uh, but yeah, so we see Bond go back to London, and he says, "Zach, did you recognize this car?" Go on, Christian. I'm not into cars. Yeah, but we definitely just covered this. Like uh, a little was behind it the, the one scenes. from uh, the Living it's the one from the Living Daylights, the Aston Martin yep. V8 Volante. Cool. I mean, it just looked like an Aston Martin to me. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. They look, you know, you know. Oh, I'm uh, not into cars, and I will make no apology for uh, that. You can take my man card if you like. You can keep your man card. I'm just gonna take your, you know, person card. Ah, uh, I see how it is. Yeah, we, we see him, you know, reunite with M, Money Penny, and Q. 
So it may be, you know, I don't know if we're going to do favorite quotes, but confronting M and M just keeps going back to the bar in his office and getting more, more and more scotch. He's like, mm-hmm. my, aren't you thirsty? Yeah. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah, M was really pulling a Don Draper in this part. So something interesting here is that it's revealed that M, if not personally, at least was tangentially involved with the creation of Heracles. Mm-hmm. So how do you think it would have gone over if it had been the Judy Dench M who was like, had some dirt on her hands? Um, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. If you go back to uh, I mean, she Skyfall. definitely kind of did have, you know, blood on... I mean, that was... What's his face? Silva's whole plot point is that she has blood mm-hmm. on her hands. Yeah, I mean, she could be, you know, cold and calculating as that position would need her to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely can see but Judy I can see her doing it, but I also it. think that it was a terrible idea. A horrible <laughs> idea. Having a new actor being M, I forgot that M had died, or I forgot that the Judy Dench and M had died. New, this is his third film. Relatively new, then. Not Judy Dench is what is what I'm getting at. A not Judy Dench M allows him to be a little uh, bit rougher around the edges. Hmm, okay. And almost seem kind of villainous a little bit. But on the other yeah, hand, I could also buy that Judy Dancham would be like, I do what I had to do to save this country, 007. I mean, are you sure you're not just, you know, carrying over some stuff because he played Voldemort? No, I don't really see him as Voldemort. I see him more as uh, John Steed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I love when he reunited with Q. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, re- I know he reunites with Moneypenny. Is it just outside, just in MS6? I don't remember actually. I don't think he first reunites with Money Penny. They went when they were at MI six headquarters. He sees her. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, they had that. And then that she, brief she goes there. to him after the meeting and saying, "You need, we need to do this. You need to hear about this." Basically, right. I mean, yeah, that's right. Money Penny is basically M's, you know, executive assistant. So she, mm-hmm. she knows that there's Everything. something going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that we see Q's house. Oh, uh, the cat. The uh, the hairless cat. Here's the thing. I've never actually seen a hairless cat that wasn't just, like, skin-colored. What other color would it be? It was, like, black. I don't remember that. Uh, right, Lance? Yeah, I think you're right. So I was like, huh, I didn't realize they came in other colors besides, like, skin-colored. <laughs> well, that kind of goes along with, with Bond's lines. Like, you know, they make these with fur now. <laughs> <laughs> so Bond shares my opinion of hairless cats. Yeah, I feel like the only people who like hairless cats are people who have them. Mm, not because no, because Carolyn likes them and doesn't. We do not have one, and, and you're not, not. Getting one. <laughs> okay, then. Nope, nope, nope. Also, I guess this is the revelation that Q is is queer. Like, it's a very like. I wish they had done more. There's a dropped line that you know when he's waiting, he's you know expecting someone for dinner and drops that it's a he. He's expecting a gentleman caller. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, yes, you know that's that's progressive but you know don't just say that to have them actually do something but they didn't try to overplay it it was just like okay q is you know either bi or gay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it is what it is it's not significant i just wish that you would have actually seen like maybe just get a cut like a a cut scene like when he's going but doing something else and he he actually gets to have his date so we see him on the date whether just like something that could be cut out of the movie if in like say russia or some other country where right. they're not gonna they don't like that sort of stuff yeah or even better what would be funny is if you know q's doing all, all the stuff um 
and then his date shows up early, and Q <laughs> opens the door and says, "Not now," and shuts the door back <laughs> in his face. <laughs> Yeah, no, that something, yeah, something like that. I like. I would want him to to actually see. You know, I want to actually see him on the date or something instead of just say, you know, just the drop line. That's that's all I'm saying. But I think the reason why it is just the one easily dubbed over line is for exactly the reason you said, Christian, is so they could change it if uh, for let's just say less accepting audiences. But yeah, and so we also have since the opening, we get the first appearance of Safin, and he's. Mm-hmm going to see a psychiatrist psychiatrist mm-hmm. um, who turns out to be Madeline and also we find out that Madeline is Blofeld's psychiatrist why would she agree to that? This is actually a conversation that I had after seeing it this, the second time. Uh-huh. My personal opinion is that obviously she you know, has some involvement with, with, with Spectre um, granted mm-hmm. through a, a passive way. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be that the British government, MI6, uh, were like, look, uh, you're the only person that he's willing to talk to. Uh, we need you to talk to him. Uh, and if you don't, um, well, you're going to prison. Oh. Wait, Madeline would go to prison? Because I'm sure they would find ties. something. Like, I'm, because she has ties to that's, that's why she'd be doing this. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because they would yeah. let it know um, she's the... A, like they mentioned in the movie, a daughter of Spectre. And you know, that's that's all that would need to be released uh-huh. for her life to become a living hell. So for a second there, I thought that they were going to reveal that Madeline was Blofeld's daughter because she says that her dad worked for Spectre. And then Which it could did. be like some kind of crazy Freudian Oedipal thing where Bond is literally, almost literally sleeping with the enemy. I, I don't know because they... I mean, they made it very part of the story that, you know, she was Mr. White's daughter. Was that an earlier movie that I just forgot about? Uh, that was also Inspector. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, should, I should have watched Spectre again. If you go see the movie again, you have to watch Spectre beforehand. That way you can catch up on all this stuff. Yeah, that's an idea. But anyway, I thought her being Blofeld psychiatrist, I didn't like it. It made the world of the movie really small. Mm-hmm. But, but you know what? I, I can see... Blofeld making not the request, but having the condition that if he's going to talk to anybody, he's only going to talk to Madeline mainly for one, like I said, uh, they considered her a, a daughter of Spectre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but an, also a way to be like one huge dig um, against Bond. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Blofeld saw talking to her as a way to like find out information about bond or like get under Bond's skin in some way, like get some kind of advantage from it. Yeah. Cause he's, he probably f- figured out that at some point in time, Bond's going to realize that she's talking to him, which would even further go towards him trying to convince bond that uh, she was the one that betrayed him and so on and so forth. So presumably she was not, Blofeld psychiatrist before the five-year gap, right? Uh, probably not, but we don't necessarily know how long there was between the end of Spectre to the beginning of of uh, No Time to Die. Uh, no Time to Die. It could be one month, could be six months or whatever. Right. Um, so, But Blofeld's been in prison for at least five years. Unless there's like a comic or something where he escapes and then gets recaptured, but somehow I don't think so. No, I mean, he's been in prison the whole time. I mean, she may not have been his psychiatrist for long, uh-huh. but 
And because he was still connected to Spectre, he's going to know that she and Bond are no longer together. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. has his ways. I guess what I'm wondering is, I can't imagine if Bond and Madeline were together, he ever would have been okay with her being Blofeld's psychiatrist. Well, probably not, and that's so that that definitely wouldn't happen. She would have been off on the coast or wherever with him. Probably, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so she would have been so, safe. She would have been protected, and all uh-huh. this other stuff. Whereas you no, know, her without Bond uh, is now vulnerable. Yeah. And so speaking of Madeline, I just realized I forgot to say something from earlier. Mm-hmm. So when she leaves him on the train. I noticed that she was like, cause like the whole time she's like, I need to tell you something. And you know, in my mind it was, Oh, it's something about her secrets or whatever. But then like when she left, she's holding her stomach. I was like, Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did <laughs> pick up on that. The second time I saw it, I was like, Oh, wow. she's okay. definitely pregnant. And then, so when we get, so yeah, when we get that reveal later, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. But yeah, so we have, so, okay, I was going to get to my point out here about the, like, Heracles and what was Safin's plan here to kill Blofeld. So she, he, he gives her that, like, you know, the vial of the perfume or whatever to wear, which is actually the nanobots. Mm-hmm. Did she just, did Safin just assume that she would touch Blofeld if these are transferred by touch? I or guess he, so. Or maybe either she wouldn't touch him, maybe directly, but... She would touch somebody who would touch somebody who would touch him, which is exactly what ended up happening. Yeah, yeah. She would get within six feet of him without (laughs) wearing a mask. Yes, she was not practicing social distancing. I have a follow-up question for you guys, which was, what was the bad guy's plan in general? Um, World domination. World domination by killing everybody. Killing all specific people. It's basically, it's, it's like... A bit of the, you know, Hydra plan in Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Yeah, create yeah. mass chaos. Um, yeah, yeah. Jack weapon a bunch of people. Yeah, or sell it to governments who, you know, to be able to just eliminate people that they they could without any uh-huh. collateral damage. Yeah. His first goal was to was to kill Blofeld. Yeah. Because uh, Blofeld and was responsible. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know if necessarily if it was... The, to destroy all of Spectre, because now that I'm thinking about it, you know his family actually worked for Spectre. They were mm-hmm. the poison makers, right? And so maybe he's looking at carrying on with Spectre, becoming the, the new Blofeld, as it were. But in order to do that, he had to take out you know, you know the other Spectre agents or so who probably right. wouldn't be loyal to him, mm-hmm. um, which he did, which he did. Um, but also, you know. Wh- big thing for Spectre is is chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's basically wiping out, you know, all of the, the governments of Europe and Asia and North America, that's going to cause chaos. I just would have liked it if it had been explained a little bit better. I, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm, I am with you there. Um, I don't think uh-huh. they fleshed that out probably nearly as well as they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, like we'd said earlier, it's a two hour and 43 minute movie. How much more are you going to be willing to add? Well, that's another thing, Lance, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But I also think we need, we need to point out a first for, for Bond movies. Uh-huh. And that was there's, and one of my favorite scenes was when Bond meets M on the street uh, and they're talking about different things. 
M's like, you know, well, how, how did you know? Who are you working with? And Bond kind of like mm-hmm. looks at him knowingly. And <laughs> M's and M says, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, that's I the first that is, F word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Bond. In the, but it wasn't supposed to be. Um, oh, in yes. Interviews with Daniel Craig. Um, he said the his big selling point um, for becoming James Bond was when he was shown the script for Casino Royale, mm-hmm. uh, the scene in the casino uh, when he orders a vodka martini uh, and the bartender looks at him and says, shaken or stirred. His original line was supposed to be, do I look like I give a fuck? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they changed it to, do I look like I give a damn? And <laughs> supposedly, according to, to Craig, that was his, his big sell point. To becoming Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when M said that, I was like, oh my God, he actually literally dropped an F bomb. <laughs> well, they're allowed to do that now, but God help you if there's any blood in that movie. Well, in PG 13, you get one F bomb. <laughs> and yeah. there it was. As it goes, yeah. There is the little subtle sting of the On Her Majesty's Secret Service theme throughout that scene on the bridge when they're talking together next to the Thames. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's so rare. I, I don't think it, I don't think it's ever happened that like you know the score has actually referenced another James Bond movie. Not but not just another James Bond movie, but one that's with a completely different actor. I think they they kept the original um, Doctor No riffs here and there throughout. Oh yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's basically just the James Bond theme at that point. Yeah, I mean there there's no subtle you know, hints to the Living Daylights. Uh, song yeah. by Aha in any other movies, which is a shame uh, because Aha is one of the best, I love best that bands song. ever. Also, I love you know, and you know, we just talked about this, but I love all the like the secondary themes and that that are just like the '80s music. Like, where has everybody gone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Sorry, Zach. No, it's okay. But actually, as long as we're talking about this, what do you guys think about Madeline as a character? I thought she was better here than Inspector. So much better. Because she like she was basically just, you know, in that movie, she was very, you know, cold and trying to be, you know, aloof. And then and then all of a sudden they're in bed together and then she loves him here. <laughs> the the direction, I feel like, is much was much better. And so she uh, Leah Sidhu was actually able to, you know, use her acting talents to actually show chemistry with Daniel Craig as opposed to Inspector. Yeah, he's about 15 years older than she is. But she's only two years younger than Vesper's actresses. The age gap seems a little bit bigger, but he, he, here... That's because he looks older. Yeah. He, is. he looks very weathered in this movie. Yeah, yeah he was only, what? 38. 30, 30, no, he's 51 now, so 36 mm-hmm. when he first did Bond. And then, and yeah, he was 38 when he was cast. Yeah, and so... And Vesper, according to her grave, was, was like in 20s. 23, 24. She's 23, which seems she seemed older than that in the movie. I would have thought she would have been older than that, like maybe late 20s, like 27 or 28 or so. Mm-hmm. How mm. old was Eva Green when they filmed? Uh, let's take a look here. So when did they film? 2005. Oh, no, it released in 2005. But, so I guess the, or 2006, right. rather. But well, they filmed it, in 2005. Well, it's easy to know because she was born in 1980, so she was 25. Yeah, so she was only two years older than the character. Mm -hmm. But still much younger than Daniel Craig. Okay, my opinion on Madeline, not that anybody asked, was that I don't feel like she had very good chemistry with Daniel Craig in either movie. They got along fine, but I didn't buy that they were like so in love. And it's more that I didn't buy that he was in love with her rather than vice versa. Mm. 
So mm. again, not saying anything about the actors. I'm just saying it didn't feel authentic to me. I definitely think that he had more of a chemistry and connection with Ava Green uh, mm. and Vesper, uh, both yeah. both of them. I would sort of reiterate that I think her character and the actress was much better served in this film than Inspector. Okay. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, well, I guess we're here. So yeah, Blofeld dies. What? <laughs> that surprised me. I mean, I again, in one way, that. I was not expecting, but on the other hand, I was like, this is his Craig's last film. I don't mm. know what they're going to do at the end, but I feel like they're probably going to reboot after this. So yeah, just go ahead and kill everyone, apparently. I definitely thought that there were like going to be no mentions of the whole brother thing. I <laughs> thought they were just going to throw that out and say, you know, no, we're just going to ignore that. But they went back to it. I was like, that was sh- kind of shocked that they mentioned it again. Yeah. And also, here's the thing about Spectre that, you know, it revealed to me that most of apparently the U.S. does not know the difference between foster brother, stepbrother and half brother. (laughs) Yeah. Because everyone (laughs) kept calling, you know, Blofeld, oh, his half brother or his stepbrother. It was like, no, no, he was a foster brother and very loosely at that. Bond's parents were both killed at the same time. So it's not like one died and the other remarried. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. It was the son of the guy who fostered. I guess it was there was an official like we did see that you know thing the inspector the form. This was you know official like foster parent you know form. So yeah. I guess yes, it was. But still, yeah, my feelings on Blofeld is kind of like Spectre in general that I said earlier, where I don't feel like he contributed that much to the movie except to like divvy out plot points and talk creepily. So I didn't feel too much when he died. I thought he was in his lot five minutes here, all better than the entirety of Spectre. <laughs> like, I, I really, like, I wanted, to, and you know, whenever we get to Spectre, which we will, uh-huh. I, I, I wanted to like it, but I know that the director, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just don't think he wanted to be there. And so everything that, you know, it, it was not as good as it could have been. Yeah, I, I wish Inspector. I mean, I thought the actor played him well. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just wish, you know, when I think of Blofeld, I think of somebody almost a larger than life villain. You know, right. Which is ironic because I feel like most other than Telly Savalas, most of them have been like pretty small dudes. Yeah, exactly. And certainly a lot of Christoph Waltz's other characters are big mm. as well. Though I will say, I like the way they killed Blofeld by having mm-hmm. Bond have the virus on him and touching him because they set that up earlier and then mm-hmm. it paid off. Yep, yep. And it rewards the thinking audience who's like putting two and two together. Madeline disappears and Bond knows where she went because it's her old childhood home. And of course, this is where we meet Madeline's daughter, Mathilde, who is, she says, is definitely not Bond's daughter, but of course it is. Come on. Yeah, I mean... It- you know the way, especially the way they broke up. I you know I don't see her, you know, getting an automatic rebound guy and getting pregnant mm-hmm. by him. Yeah, who are you trying to fool? <laughs> say, I felt bad for this kid because people I find annoying in movies, little kids, also French people. A French little kid never had a chance. Wow! Wow! Monster. Wow! Monster. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that she did a really good, like, really good job. Um, the actress from Matilda, and like she was, you know, she was definitely a kid, but it wasn't like Anakin Skywalker annoying. Yeah, having yeah. a little 
kid is hard. I think we talked about no, his no disrespect to Jake Lloyd. He did not deserve all the hate that came his way either. Oh, but like not. this was a you know this was just the kid was there, but it was it wasn't given like you know trying to be cute kid lines or anything like that. It was she was there and it felt, she was a five like a real kid. Yeah, felt like a real five year old. Well, this and is I'm, something we talked about in Spy Kids, which is in movies, kids are either too adult where they are like badasses and they shoot guns and they drive cars and they swear and they act really tough. Example of that is so the movie The girl. Nice Guys. Also Hit Girl. Yeah. Right. Or they're too kid like where they're whiny and they scream and they act really stupid all the time. So and this movie avoided those. Matilda, yeah, Matilda did neither of those things. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she told Bond that she wasn't his just for pure spite. Um, <laughs> oh, ouch. Well, I mean, if if you think about it, I mean, she knew she didn't betray Bond. And so she mm-hmm. was, you know, I mean, yeah. she was hurt and devastated that he was like, you know, almost cold and emotionless. All right, get on the train. You're out. Yeah, I don't blame her for being mad at all. No. And so I, I can see her being a little vindictive in, in that. and. And to be honest, you know, uh, maybe rightfully so. So, oh yeah, so for those who are like, oh no, James Bond can't have a kid. Yeah, and he's like, oh, this is against Fleming would be rolling over in his grave. Wrong. No. James Bond had a kid in the books that he actually didn't, also didn't know about, now that I think about it. I assume that, uh, You Only Live Twice? Yes, the ending of You Only Live Twice. We find, yeah. yeah. I assume James Bond has hundreds of kids all over the world that he doesn't <laughs> know about. There's a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention James Bond Jr. And yes, Christian, I know he's not his kid. We've talked about this. No, he's it was not a joke. his kid. But I do have a soft spot for James Bond Jr. <laughs> it was my ringtone for a long time. <laughs> no, I don't have a problem with James Bond having a kid. It makes total sense. Right. Him settling down and becoming a dad is a slightly different story, but... Mm-hmm. It's academic. We find out that apparently, so like he sent he he sent Nomi a lead to follow up on, and we find out that yeah, Ash is coming with him with a bunch of Safin's goons. They take their Range Rover out into the forest, and there's a Range Rover chase. It's okay. So I have a question about that. Yes. Well, first of all, I have an observation, which this is like Jurassic Park. I kept <laughs> expecting a raptor to hop out of behind the tree. Uh-huh. But also, why do they take the Range Rover and not James Bond's gadget? Leighton Aston Martin. So we don't actually know that this is, I mean, it's the same model, but we don't know if this has all the gadgets. Okay. Probably because there's no car seat in it. Alana said the same thing, but I thought the girl was too old to use a car seat. Or just not a very comfortable back seat. Like Maybe Aston it had better gas have like, mileage. Oh, that too, yeah. Okay, I'm going to actually try to answer my own question here. Okay. And head candidate that there's only one road to this house because they're like in the middle of like the steps in Norway. Yeah. So in order to avoid the bad guys, they needed to go over land, hence the need for an SUV. Okay, sure. sure. Yeah, very good. I, I could easily buy that. Yeah. Maybe it's there's some practical. deleted scene where she's like, let's <laughs> use my God, James. It can go over the, the land. That's your French accent. I'm not good at accents. Wow. I never claimed to be good at accents. <laughs> Lance, did you see this as a reference to For Your Eyes Only? When, Which, he, like, uh, when he kills Logan Ash. There's a car... Oh, he dumps yeah. the car on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, covered it, Zach, but there's a scene in For Your Eyes Only where it's very similar. Like, if someone's pleading for their life, and in that case, it's a car that's about to go over the cliff, and we get Bond gets the information and then push it and kicks the c- car off the cliff. 
And then he says, I'm glad I got the drop on you. No, there's like no pun at all. Oh, no, there was a pun, but I don't remember what it was. But it's like Roger Moore <laughs> no, was like darkest oh, moment one, yeah. Bond. Yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely no pun in No Time to Die. In fact, that was also, you know, a kind of, you know, an emotional moment when, you know, Ash being you know, the American and calling everybody bro. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, come on, bro, help, brother, help me out. And that's when Bond's like, I had a brother and his name was Felix Slider. And that's oh. when he crunches him with the car. Felix. Yeah, I'm still kind of upset about that. Yeah. It was a sweet kill, though. Yeah. I liked that. And then Safin takes Madeline and Matilde to his island, which gave me some Dr. No vibes, definitely. I mean, it's this classic James Bond to have a secret island full of henchmen. <laughs> I would have liked some kind of explanation for how this villain... What's his name again? Safin. 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 Sounds like Silva. So I keep thinking of Silva. Safin, I'm going to write it down. Where you got this army of henchmen and all these resources from? Because he's just well, like a guy. His family was former Spectre, so presumably, the, like we do, we do. I don't. They never explained it, but these are. There's a lot of Spectre henchmen who are out in the wind now and need someone to lead them. That's yeah, fair. What, and I'm sure they weren't poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he effectively went rogue. I actually yeah. didn't have that much of a problem with it because it mm. does seem like a James Bond thing to have like the entrepreneurial spirit of supervillains where it's one person, usually a man, but not always who against the odds builds up a criminal empire, <laughs> not to reiterate what we went over already. I was just more bugged that Daffin didn't have a clear plan or ideology, hmm. but we don't need to go over it again. It's fine. Yeah. So what I liked here was the, we finally see the garden of death from Ian Fleming's. You only live twice the novel, not the, not the movie. And mm-hmm. that's something that I know Bond fans have been wanting to see for a long time. I was slightly let down by because I wanted it to be used in some way. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, glad at least to see it. Was that the thing at the top? Yeah. Okay. So I will say for the super secret base, that's mm-hmm. a gigantic island. It's only like three sets. Mm-hmm. It felt very small. Oh, no. Disagree. Hard disagree. I mean, the individual sets were big, but there were not that many of them. We had the control room. We had the garden set area. We had the yeah, where tower they come, the where the yeah, tower at the end. You have where they come in, um, uh-huh. and then you have the lab where the scientist is, which is over, which I would consider a, a separate set from where everyone's you know in the radioactive water. That's there's a lot of sets. There. Bond and Nomi go in in this sweet glider slash submarine, which I thought was pretty cool. Yep. And I bet those Commando Bond guys are totally into this. Yes, he's got his sweet long gun. <laughs> he got his tactical sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good look. I, I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. And I realize this is the only, like, and I've thought about this before. Like, you know, other Bonds, we will see them, you know, get kitted up into some sort of tactical outfit. Uh, Brosnan did it a bunch. So did yeah. Roger Moore. Roger Moore would did it a few times, actually. Dalton. Dalton yeah. was all... You know, kitted out at the beginning of. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. At the beginning of the daylight. Left. Yeah, so everyone has been kit- kitted up for at some point, besides Craig. So I'm glad we got him here, like kitted in sort of you know, f- military gear, ready to go. Yep. Yeah. Most time on he's the... just like in like a jacket or something, or you know. Uh-huh. That fight on, on the, the stairs, which is one long take, was oh, really I good. I like that. Yeah, that was really good. Shootings, grenades, punching. John Wickish. So I, I liked when, you know, there was the one grenade that came down and he grabs oh, it and puts it back up. And then they're like, oh, yeah, well, no, here's four more. You only have two hands. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's also a fight scene on a staircase in Atomic Blonde. That's what it mm. reminded me of as well. It also actually reminded oh, yeah. me a bit of the fight in on the staircase in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. But with guns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but with guns, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was good. Um, and then we actually have Bond, you know, he res- well, rescues his family and gets them out of there. Mm-hmm. So the part yeah. where he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Who do you think yeah. he's really saying sorry to? The daughter, because okay, he's I, shooting I, a bullet right next to her. I guess I wasn't as smart as I thought I was yeah. figuring that out. No, yeah, it was definitely. I thought he was going to use the uh, the watch with the EMP on it to like knock out stuff, and then he was going to grab. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting you know another gun on him. Mm-hmm. So a second, yeah. something just occurred to me. Yeah. <laughs> so in the beginning, uh-huh. Safin tries to kill Madeline. Yeah. And we sort of get the impression that that's his motivation. He actually says, I want revenge on Madeline because her father killed my father. Okay? Right? Why did he say that? Lance, do you remember this? I just seem to remember that showing up at one point. No. He doesn't want to kill her. He feels this weird connection to her. Okay. Right, because I... And I've been thinking about this, too, in that I think he doesn't want to kill her he did want to kill her father yeah oh he definitely did uh and he definitely you know had no problems you know emptying half of a clip uh ending her mother yeah but i think he felt maybe some this might be a stretch some sort of kinship to where you know specter killed his family Mm -hmm. uh, but he lived Yep. And now he's going to kill her family. No, it, you're not. This is not a stretch. This is basically what, like, when uh, Madeline never never saw his actual face when they encounter each other the first time. So, yeah, when he's no. in there with, like, when he comes into the uh, to her office, he's saying right. these exact things you're talking about, about, you know, how surviving, you know, your family's death and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, how saving a life, saving someone's life can, like, you know, also connect you in a way... And so there's all, yeah, it's all this. I was almost getting the vibe that he was like weirdly in love with her. I was too. Okay. That's fine. That, and then, that he felt a certain like, yeah, you know, kinship maybe, or maybe he realized, you know, he saved her because she could be part of, you know, a, a bigger plot, you know, bigger scheme mm-hmm. to get back at Blofeld or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I definitely had more of like, he had um, romantic feelings towards her. Yeah. Yeah. So you just had to get James Bond out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can move on from the villain motivation. I feel like we've talked about that <laughs> enough. He gets his family, rescues them, but somewhere along the line, Mathilde dropped her little stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. But he gets Nomi to Nomi, who killed that scientist with the almost title drop, where she just says, "Time to die." <laughs> yeah, and I, I like the fact when, when when she shot him, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and he falls in the water, or maybe it's one oh, of the yeah. guards that fell in the water, and, he, and you know the mm-hmm. it was the there. acid in the water starts eating at him, and everybody in the water was like, "Oh damn, this is what <laughs> yeah, they're out. like." Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "No, peace out, we're done." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very Indiana Jones villain kind of death. Kind of, yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to remember actually now. Wasn't like before Nomi decided to kill him. Wasn't he saying basically about how he could kill, you know, a specific, you know, race or family and all that sort of stuff? 
with oh, yeah. uh, Heracles yeah. and is like, oh, no, you're, you're gone. You're dead. I don't remember whether it was the villain who said that or M who said that. I thought it was M who said that. Well, no, but I mean, I, well, he was, I think yeah. Q sort of expounded on that, but I think the scientist was saying that as a threat to her. Well, I, I don't oh, think actually, when... yeah, right. I remember that now. Well, I don't think when they originally came up with the Heracles idea that it was just be sent to you know, one person, the one person would get it, yeah. and you know, that would be the end of it. Because they seemed surprised. Uh, they were actually like, oh, this is a major development when they started showing the pictures of you know, the funerals for the agents mm-hmm. and their families were, were coming into contact with it and that it wasn't just targeted to that person anymore, that it was now transmittable through you know whoever had that dna uh was now susceptible and so right. when he's in walkway with uh naomi you know and he starts making reference you know i can do this i can do this and then when he mm-hmm. gets basically to part where you know of committing racial genocide yeah Jeez. i mean wrong person to say that to yeah um and she was like you know i have a license to kill and by by queen and god i'm going to use it <laughs> and you know yeah, he takes an acid bath well it just came a little bit out of nowhere because the scientist as i said was very oh. like passive he sort of did what people told him to do it seemed like he was more in it for the science it wasn't ideological so i mean whatever but it was just a bit confusing but then he dies anyway no i i agree i i don't think he was in it more for the ideology i think he was you know this virus or you know whatever it was was you know almost like his baby, so he wants to see where he can take it. He wants to see it grow. He wants to see it develop. Um, it just yeah. also you know goes uh-huh. along the mindset. You know he's a raging asshole. Yeah, <laughs> well, he certainly doesn't seem to care too much about human life. No, none, none. Mm-hmm. So that is now the big final confrontation between Bond and uh, and Seth. And you forgot already? Wow, come on. <laughs> Remember his first name is Lucifer, which is absurd. Yeah. I mean, haven't talked about no, that. It's not Lucifer, it's Lucifer. Whatever. It has, it has a different spelling. Yeah. So guys, I have to say, this scene kind of made me laugh. Because I could not understand what Robbie Malik was saying. Oh. Eh, it like no. put me into like a coma. So someone needs to make like a YouTube video of just to be like, and then Bond just shoots him. And that's the end of the scene. I'm sorry. I don't want to make fun of Ravi. He's a great actor. They just should have said, tone down whatever you're doing with the voice. What was he saying? What was he talking about? Please tell me. At which point? In the final confrontation when Bond has him like at gunpoint in the blood or poison garden. Yeah. He was just you know, reiterating, you know, when, when Bond realizes he's got the virus, you know, he oh, yes. was just yeah. pointing out that, you you may win here, but you know you'll never be able to see Madeline and your child ever ever again. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, why not? Because, because he has the. Did you did you miss this whole oh, thing? Okay. Wait, I want you guys to answer my question, and then I will extrapolate upon it. I'm going somewhere with this. I mean, because he he infected him with the virus. That was what was Madeline's DNA or her targeted nanonite nanonites nanites nanites. Thank you, nanobots. Um, Okay. We're we're in that when that vial. Yeah. And so when he you know scratched Bond's face um, with the glass of the vial, you know that injected the virus into him. Mm-hmm. Not only can he not touch either one of them, he can't touch anybody that would ever come in contact Potentially, with them. or any person in a person, or you're just basically yeah. There's no way. Okay, so I did pick up on that. Thank you, mm-hmm. but. 
So later when James Bond dies, spoiler alert, James Bond dies at the end of this movie. I thought it was going to be like a fake death that he was like, I need to fake my death. So Madeline can move on because I know we can never be together. And it would be easier if she thinks I was dead. No, no. What do you mean? No, that's a perfectly reasonable way for the movie to end. No, because this is not how they chose to do he it. Literally, well, okay. The way that this thing works, he literally can't go anywhere because then it could it could get to them. That's you know. Yeah, you could be like, I have to isolate myself back on Goldeneye and never touch another human being for the rest yes, of my because life. No one ever goes between Jamaica and England ever. Right. Like, he just has to not touch another person. He could be a, a hermit. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see that ever happening. Oh I mean, please, let's not talk about plausibility. This is a James Bond movie. I mean, because I mean, he's looking at like even if there's, you know, a one percent chance of being a threat to, I mm-hmm. think more, more towards uh, Matilda than yeah. He he's not going to risk anything that could potentially you know take out his daughter, which he you know they now realize okay. they they admitted yes you know yeah. what the audience has known since she was first introduced yeah this is your daughter. <laughs> Also, mm-hmm. what got me more was that, you know, he went and actually went to go, he found the stuffed animal and picked it up and was yeah. like, and he had that little smile on his face. Yeah, and he's he like, oh, I'm going to bring this to my daughter. And yeah. I like that he had the stuffed animal like on his belt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he didn't go back with the, with the intention of either dying or sacrificing himself. He went yeah. back purely for closure. Yeah. You know, so he you know, flashed back to the beginning. So he's not looking over, you know, their shoulders the rest mm-hmm. of their life. You no, know, is Remy going to be coming after him at some point in time? Because yeah. up until this point, all we know is that he escaped and was walking down some dark tunnel. Yeah. Um. So that's why he went. He went back, you know, to finish it, and it, and it had to be him to do it. It couldn't. It couldn't mm-hmm. have been Naomi. Kind of go back a little bit, and I think Zach alluded to it earlier. You know, I thought it was pretty significant character point for her. When they're on the plane flying oh, yeah. to Secret Island, because uh, we n- we never know really, you know, what Bond was reinstated as. All we know is that he was <laughs> he was reinstated as Double O, you know. So now we know for 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 certain that he has been redesignated as as Double O Seven. Oh yes, you're right. They do talk about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah. So there's also some like he has to get the blast doors open, which of course just remind me of Star Wars. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. I mean, it's yeah, really, I thought it's that James too. Bond. Yeah, but it was also I think kind of a a shout out to You Only Live Twice, where they had to open oh, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. door. Well, that and also didn't they have to do base, something along yeah. those lines with uh, Goldeneye? But they had to open some like volcano yeah, they door. Had to, no, what they for that one they what they had to do is yeah, they had to get the set the uh, something. Oh, the satellite line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The satellite dish. But definitely mm-hmm. in you yeah, only live twice. twice. They had to get they the blast to, doors open. They had to get the crater doors open. Yep, yep. But yeah. Basically, there's a conflict that isn't just punch the bag in the face a bunch of times until he falls yeah. over. But he like. does. They have a brutal fight. Like he breaks Safin's arm, which is like oh, like over his oh. knee. Oh, I mean he. He yeah. didn't just break it. I mean, he obliterated it. Eesh. I mean, without a thought. I mean, which is what you expect kind of James Bond to do, but to actually see him do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think even when, when we saw the screening of it and the, the second time when I saw it, when mm-hmm. he broke his arm, everyone was like, oh, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Can we talk about the Navy ship that fires some missiles? What and it was it? a bunch of missiles. Well, first of all, I want to know if our Tom Clancy fanboy over oh. here appreciated that. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. Go ahead. 
Well, I, for one, like when James Bond has some sweet military backup, like mm. in The Man from Uncle with the Navy commandos and the Navy ships and aircraft mm. carriers. I love all that stuff, and I was glad to see it here. <laughs> okay. And if no one else has anything else to say about it, that's not, fine. Not really, other than the, the did Ram commit a war? Cr- like, you know, did he... What lines did he cross to basically get this thing, you know, to launch a missile at a, a contested uh, waters between yeah. Japan and Russia? He would have had to have gotten permission from the British military. I mean, oh, they had yeah, a, that's true. like, for instance, like, you know, director of CIA, you know, can't tell, you know, a submarine to launch a missile. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. So, I mean, he, he would have had to have coordinated that with. Uh, the prime minister, uh, the mm-hmm. minister of defense, and all those other ones, they may have given him operational authority to nah, to launch the missile because right, right. he would be more or less the uh, incident commander. He wouldn't have just on his own told the ship to fire. Yeah. The ship captain would have told him to go get bent. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that he committed a war crime, but probably a international incident. Yeah, I was like, this, oh, yeah, this, it this was definitely war was a war, wrong word. It was looking, for, it was, yeah, international incident is the word I was looking for. You know, but but while we're here talking navy stuff, you know, and we we kind of like missed out on it uh, earlier when mm-hmm. Bond first meets Naomi. Oh yeah, and she refers to him as Bond. He's like, you know, it's Commander, Commander Bond, Bond actually. Yep. <laughs> Which I think is the first time that we've seen, we've actually heard this Daniel Craig's Bond referred to as Commander Bond. And yeah, I think actually, that's yeah. I think I, they may say it in his obituary that M writes um, in Skyfall when they think he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was put out there. But I, I'm trying to remember, I don't, the last time I remember a, a reference to Bond's you know, naval service and rank was oh, tomorrow never dies your... wears uniform right and and that was in the other time before that because i don't remember anything in either one of the two um, dalton's dalton ones but um, the last time would have been yeah he no actually only... there is a reference in license to kill when he's stripped of his uh m does call him commander bond. commander bond and so does you're right uh, like yeah so I feel like we did miss a trick in seeing Daniel Craig in his like full na- like in full Navy uniform. There's a Photoshop around that's uh-huh. gone around that has him in the full Navy uniform, and he would have looked great in it. Actually, fun fact: Daniel Craig himself was made an honorary commander of the British Royal Navy. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the missiles going off, and so the missiles are coming. Like I said, the Captain America, Peggy Carter. You know, mm-hmm. phone call or a radio call as you're about to die. Yeah. The audience is like, wow, is he actually going to die? Yeah. Up till the last minute. Well, actually, no. Once, so once that vial came out, like once Safin revealed the vial to Madeline, I knew, all right, this is going to end with them separated because I was like, all right, this has either got his DNA or her DNA. But in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You realize, it, oh, it's got to be their dna her him and his her and her daughters so i was like just i knew it wasn't get, it was gonna end with them separated and then thinking it i was like oh no he's he's gonna die isn't he well i mean i knew it was almost a foregone conclusion when he, he, he's having the conversation with her and you know, she realized that he's infected and mm-hmm. what he's about to do yep and you know he says the you the have again, all the time in the world you have all the time mm-hmm. in the world 
And that's uh, when the lump uh, in my throat no. happened, and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, did, uh, did you guys cry when James Bond died? Oh, hell yeah. I totally I got, did. I, I have I, no I was, shame in admitting that. I was tearing up. Yep. There are, there are actually a couple times in, in the movie where I got a little choked up. Felix's death, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did have a an awe with hand over my heart kind of thing when they showed Vesper's grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and the they, music, yeah. It had the music, and it, when you finally see the, you know, the forgive me, and he sets it on fire. There was mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, but definitely the, the end was the breaking point. <laughs> but yeah, so he yeah he's on the call with her, with her, and then the missiles come down. We see his body just sort of get abs- like mm-hmm. absorbed into the explosions. Basically. But then you see on Q's monitor. Oh yeah, so I, I talked about it. So we we didn't talk about this. Both of them get injected with the smart blood from Spectre. I was like, wow, that's a random callback from Spectre that I did not expect to see coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if, what if the smart blood can fight the nanobite bots and that's how he gets out of it? And I was like, maybe that's how. And then you see the thing blank out on Q's screen. I was like, oh, no, that's why they're there. They're there to definitely show us that Bond's dead. <laughs> they're definitely you know, there. He's and... not coming back. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I had a conversation with a coworker uh, this afternoon. We were talking mm-hmm. about because you know there were nanobots. You know why didn't necessarily when Bond activated the EMP? Oh, the EMP, yeah, right, yeah. Um, I thought about that too. And the thing that we came up with was that an EMP, I mean, doesn't necessarily fry anything that's you know electronic. Right. Um, it, it depends on what's powering the nanobots. I mean, it could hmm. be that they're powered through body heat. Body heat could easily you know, yeah. act as you know a power type thing. Yeah, so as long as he's got warm blood in him mm. uh, and a body temperature above zero. Right. That actually makes a lot of sense. But are you going to take that chance with the woman you love and your only oh, no, child? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Mm-hmm. So it, it works plus, for me. Yeah. 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 And if anybody could have figured out how to you know stop the nano, nanobots, it would have been Q. Yeah. And then and he and had Q's no like, idea. And it was almost a. A, a good cue moment when when Bond is like, you know, hey, can you put me on the call with with Madeline? And Q's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I should have I should have thought of that. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. Was, it, yeah, it was definitely a, a different cue than when we first met him. Yeah, did we first meet him in Skyfall? Yep, yeah. As in, you know, the relationship between the two of them was it's was grown. Yeah. yeah, we go back to MI6 where MQ. Money Penny and Nomi are, are having a drink in Bond's honor, and they read the passage from. Yeah, they were drinking just like Bond would have done. Yeah, and they, and they did it in, in the right style. They had they were surrounding a table, yeah, and they had uh, you know, the the one little round table with you know the the shot glass that it was meant mm-hmm. to be for Bond, and they read the passage where, as Christian accurately pointed out, where have we seen this before? Let's wait. It was some other in, James Bond movie. No, it's in the uh, obituary. In you only live. There's a lot of you only live twice novel references in this movie, and in that they also think that Bond's dead. Well, but and you know in that case he's not. But oof, I should have written it down. One second, I'll get it. I just know when it's over, they say goodbye, Bond, or something like that. Oh, yeah, the function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to pro- prolong them. I shall use my time. Yeah. And if there's anybody that's used their time, 
Mm-hmm. You could arguably say it was James Bond. <laughs> James Bond, yeah. But that's not where this movie ends. We <laughs> end with Matilde and Madeline in the car. So I wasn't. I I need to watch this again to fe- to see if I can notice if this is the Living Daylights car or if they actually use the on Her Majesty's Secret Service car. I think okay. it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service car. So it's a DBS. I think oh, so. Oh, so wow. they're driving along the coast and have Madeline turn to her, turn to Matilda and say, I'm going to tell you the story of a man. His name was Bond, James Bond. And you have, I did not expect the Louis Armstrong all the time in the world. Like not just the hint of it we had before, but like full on makes me wonder, Zach, for someone who doesn't know on her Majesty's secret service, how did that hit? What did you think of that? I was like, Oh yeah, they said it before. That's cute. That's it. Oh, <laughs> Mm. I tell you the truth here, Christian. I don't solve it. (laughs) You know, remember on her matches. This, this, it it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was not expecting that. And when they played it, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, that that hits me right there. What about you, Lance? (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad it worked so well for you guys. I know that me and Lance waited until the end of the movie just to see if they would have the, like, usually. At the end of, not even at the end of the movie. Sometimes even just the end of the like the you know the credits before even you get to all the technical stuff, you'll have the James Bond will return. They held this for the until the very last frame. And I actually thought uh, it was poignant that they didn't just say Bond James will return, Bond return, yeah, but James Bond will return. I mean, it's always um, been James Bond will return. In actually, it's it's kind of funny because now kids growing up think you know remember that from marvel movies and marvel stole that from james bond hmm. yeah wait i'm, I'm sorry at, so at the end of the credits of this movie it said james bond will return yes yep oh, that's, that's at the confusing. very last possible moment too yeah, like after, yeah. after like you know the even the uh the copyright date had gone by and the screen mm-hmm. goes black yeah. and there's no more music and i turned to lens i'm like wait are they not gonna they, they're not gonna put it in and yeah, then, as soon as you said it, poof, there it was. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find it kind of funny and also almost in a weird parallel that for the first, actually for up, all of the movies up until mm-hmm. GoldenEye, or no, until, not GoldenEye, until The View to a Kill, they said what the next movie would be. Like they would say, you know, at the end of Doctor No, they say James Bond will return in from Rushwood Love. Yeah. Sometimes they got it wrong. Like, you know, oh, they switched around movies and then, oh, the movie thought that we we're going to come out with ended up not happening and the avengers or marvel movies they did that too for a while like they would say you know iron man will return in iron man 2 but now just whoever will return just like the james bond movies they don't say what they'll return in yeah they don't want to make any promises yeah yeah or i mean probably you know at least back then you know they had the the ian oh they had all the novels that they could pull from yeah they're going to have to pretty much start over from scratch. They're going to have to have, you know, obviously mm-hmm. a new actor to play Bond. Yeah. You know, how are they going to do it? Are they just going to do like they did with Daniel Craig and have a complete retooling of Bond? I feel like it's got to be. Yeah. I, I agree. It, it has to. Because I think the way that with Daniel Craig's Bond, how, well, each movie could be, well, maybe with the exception of this one, each movie could be a good standalone. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They're all connected. And I, I would actually like to see them continue that on with the next set of Bond films. Yeah, I think maybe with a bit more planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know right. what? There's yeah, one shout out that we did miss. Oh, we didn't talk about the, the M portraits, did we? Exactly. Oh, so yeah, you knew yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. where I was going. 
I noticed those. Did you notice? How many did you notice? I, I saw the Robert Brown and I saw the Judy Dench, but I did. I, I have not been back for a second screen, so I have not been able to see if there is a Bernard Lee one. Is there? I didn't. I looked for it and I didn't see it, but that one, they prominently showed Judy Dench's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, I mean, it was only there for a second, but there was another painting next to it, and I didn't get a chance to see what that painting was. That so it might very have been well a Bernard Lee, be. probably. So I know could that the, it, in, uh, there's a big Omega store in London, and they have like a setup where they have the actual portraits that were used in filming, and they have the Bernard Lee there as well as the Robert Brown, who was, nice. Zach, you'll remember, is the M for Timothy Dalton. Yeah. So the ones from the movie they have in the store? This yeah, movie? Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of, the fact that he, there are separate portraits, settles a long debate, even though it's a weird timeline continuity thing, because this is a separate time continuity, mm-hmm. that those two M's, the Bernard Lee and Robert Brown, are two separate M's. Ah, yes. It's also been a debate on whether, because Robert Brown had appeared, I think in Spy Who Loved Me, as a different character who was an admiral. Hmm. So hey. people were wondering, did he, yeah. okay, did you know, Bernard Lee's M retire, and then that admiral became the new M. And so yeah. the fact that they have separate portrait kind of lends credence to that, except for the fact that it's an entirely different timeline and that that all didn't happen. Well, maybe not all of it. Maybe some of it did. Hmm. These guys just could have happened M. differently. Yeah. 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 But I love that there's with... a shout out to the Robert Brown M who usually uh-huh. gets no love. Like Bernard mm-hmm. Lee's M got, I think he got a portrait in the Scottish castle in uh, Ward is Not Enough. Or, or it's in M's office, one of the two. You see a portrait of him. And I wonder if that's the same portrait that they've reused. But anyway, so that's the end of the movie. I don't have any spy fact versus fiction. and I, I do. Oh, I have does. a little All bit. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I Googled what happens when you shoot an icy lake with a gun? Does <laughs> okay. the bullet travel through the ice and free whoever is trapped under the ice beneath it? And? So this led me to an article that I unfortunately am having trouble finding again, okay. which in turn led to an Instagram. So I apologize. <laughs> I don't know who, who did this. Okay. Please Google it. You'll find it of these guys firing a handgun, not a giant gun that Rami Malek did in the movie. And the bullet mm-hmm. ricochets off the ice and then starts spinning like a top on it, which right. is very unusual. I don't know a lot about guns. Hmm. I've never seen that before. So needless to say, I don't think it would work. Well, it would so, depend on how thick the ice is. Yeah. Right. Uh, but presumably, it, it has to be thick enough that you can stand on it. But it was thin enough that she fell through it. Yeah. It was pretty transparent when he sees her. So yeah. the ice can't be that thick. Because otherwise, you know, just by mere light spectrum, you know, and sciencey stuff, she wouldn't have actually <laughs> been stuff. where she would have been. Mm-hmm. So by him shooting the ice like that, he could have actually inadvertently shot her if it was too thick and it went through. Very Although, risky. It's almost like I it's moving. I feel like I saw in Mythbusters that like once bullets hit the water, basically they st- they lose all velocity. And mm-hmm. that is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, it's it's only in the movies do they can actually continue on with the same yeah. speed. So that's what the one. The other okay. thing I have for versus fiction is the missiles fire. There's like yeah. four missiles, I believe. And mm-hmm. then once they get to the island, they open and they it's like suddenly a bunch more missiles. So yeah. this is I called a Merv okay. or a multiple yeah. re-entry vehicle. Huh. Okay. With a ballistic missile, it deploys multiple warheads above a single aim point, which drift apart, producing a cluster bomb-like effect. This is all on Wikipedia. Yeah, that that's actually accurate because 
a lot of times munitions like that aren't used necessarily in the way they were using them in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of those get used on things like runways where you want to create a lot of craters ah. uh, because those warheads aren't going to be, especially when there were that many of them, mm -hmm. um, they're not going to be necessarily that powerful, mm -hmm. um, which is another key thing of why they had to have the blast doors open. So some ah. of those could actually penetrate down into it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was actually confused when I saw them break apart like that because I thought they were going to send the missiles right down the blast doors mm -hmm. like a yeah. torpedo. <laughs> And then the last thing about MIRVs is they're usually used with nuclear weapons. Like, hmm. every warhead has a nuke on it. Oh, That's wow. how you can like, destroy, like, a gigantic area with one missile. Hmm. No, the, right, Lance? Well, yeah, for MIRVs, that, that, that's, that's true. Because, and the re-entry part is where that comes in. Because when you launch nuclear missiles, especially out of silos, you know, they do go exo-atmosphere and then come back in. I think it'd be more accurate to, to refer to them as cluster munitions. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what they would be. They would just open up in a whole cluster of them, just fall to do whatever they they do. Yep. So that is it for spy fact versus fiction. All right. Did anyone have any favorite quotes? I had one. The yeah. only quote that stood out to me that I still remember when the movie was over was Bond says to Felix, "Where'd you pick up the Book of Mormon over there?" <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Which I, I was kind of amazed that James Bond knew what the Book of Mormon was, but maybe I shouldn't be surprised. So I think we talked about this on our James Bond draft episode that that Phoebe Waller Bridge did a polish of the script, and I'm I feel like that's mm -hmm. got to be a Phoebe Waller Bridge edition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see uh, that. Yeah, for me, the quotes, all the references to all the time, you know, you we have all the time in the world, definitely got me. And I think I mentioned before that, that the. Uh, I don't remember the exact quote of what it was, but so, you know, oh, my, aren't you thirsty to M? Mm -hmm. I actually have three. We already talked about one, and that's uh -huh. when Bond crushes Ash with the car, and he says, you know, I already have a brother, and his name was mm -hmm. Felix Leiter, and you know, that's when, you know, he gets, he gets crushed. That was a good one for me. The other one, you know, sticking with the sentimental side was when, at, towards the end, when Bond's waiting for the missiles to come in, and he's talking to Leia Sado, mm -hmm. and he says something to the effect of, you know, he's talking about, you know, Matilda, he's like, no, I've never seen anything more beautiful and she's Aww. beautiful because she came from you. I was like, oh, that's, that's touching. But probably my ultimate favorite line, because it's, you know, one of my favorite and probably most used phrases. And I mentioned it earlier when M does the all oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I yeah. smiled, I giggled. <laughs> I, I did like a silent, you know, fist bump to myself in, in the theater. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite line. Uh, so I have one more, and I, we didn't talk about it. The only time that Craig re de delivers to Bond, James Bond line, is when he's going to the security desk at MI6. Uh. <laughs> and his name? Bond. And the guy looks up and is like, and like, questioningly, he's like, James Bond? Like, is it, there's like a slight question mark at the end of it. <laughs> Hilarious. And I loved it. And I, I like the look of when they the security guard had like the recognition of the name when he put it in the computer and he was just yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. it was in the trailers, but it was still quite good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for our ratings on a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being the Avengers 1998 and 10 being a hypothetical, amazing, great spy movie. How would we rate no time to die? Lance is our guest. Would you like to go first? Sure. I, I would definitely have to say that, this is definitely one of my more favorite bonds. I still think, you know, Casino Royale edges it out a little bit. 
but it, it I think it, it did bump Honor Majesty's Secret Service down to number Ooh. three for me. Ooh, wow. All I right. know. Uh, and maybe because there's so many references to it. But I, I would say it's probably my second favorite Bond. Right. You know, I, I thought the cast was amazing. The, the plot was good. Do kind of wish they had you know, flushed Remy Malik's character out just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to give him total props first. Because like I was telling uh, Christian uh, at the screening, you know, my fear was that I would go see this movie and all I would see is James Bond versus Freddie Mercury. <laughs> um, you know, like they would break out into Bohemian Rhapsody at some point. I thought he played that character uh, exceedingly well. You know, Bond definitely cemented his position as you know, my favorite Bond. I'm going to go with nine and a half out of ten martinis for me. Ooh, that may be the highest that anyone has given a movie yeah. on the Spy Fi guys. So it was practically yes. a perfect movie for you, Lance. I, I would say so. Like I said, you know, just a couple small things, like you know, Remy Malek's character being fleshed out, but I think you and I were talking offline a little bit. It's a two-hour and 43-minute movie. You can only do so much. (laughs) All right, Zach. Okay, well, the usual caveat that I am not the James Bond fanboy that you guys are. That being said, I thought this was good. I would put it second only to Casino Royale of the Daniel Craig era. All right. The action was great. The scenery was amazing. However... It was too long. The villain, I thought, was pretty bad. And a lot of the emotional relationship stuff with him and Madeline didn't get me the way that it got you guys. So I would say that it is good. I will give it 7 out of 10 martinis. Okay, you know, that's... that's From you, that's still pretty respectable. That's pretty good. I liked I think... it on the whole, yes. But it yeah. was... All right. It did have some issues, yeah. So, Lance, you compared this movie to... Avengers Endgame, I can definitely see that sort of, you know, comparison. it's the end of that era and that sort of... I'm going to compare it to something slightly more controversial, which is how I think this movie will be viewed. The Last Jedi. Which okay. is a movie that I really, I really love. And... But I think there's, there's going to be a divide within Bond fandom. I've already seen it happening. Where oh, yeah. there's going to be this, this one aspect of Bond fandom that's going to... That, it, you know, there'll be there will be people who legitimately don't like the film, but there'll be one subsect that is going to be no, you killed my hero. How can you do that? Also, you put this, you know, you replaced him with a woman and a and a black woman, and I don't like that. And so there'll be that that one aspect of the a fandom that will lash up, you know, brush up against it and hate it because of that. Whereas you'll have other people who will love it. And then you'll have people who have legitimate, you know, uh, legitimate concerns with it, or and just don't like it. So I think it'll be as divisive as the Last Jedi. From my personal feelings, I really love the film. It's a what? What did we say? It's two hours forty something. That's right. Two forty three. For me, it it never felt its length. You know, like no, I mean, it didn't. Either time it, I saw it, for it, me, I it agree. blew. Every time that you thought, okay, it's slowing down a little bit, something else would come to pick it up. It moved at a pretty good pace. Also, it just looked beautiful. Like cinem- cinematography was great, and just like the Last Jedi, it, which also has great cinematography and filmed really well. I guess the <laughs> the other comparison I'm gonna, I'm going to make is to a movie that's much less received, and which I, is also much re- less received by me is The Dark Knight Rises. In the way that you can have an actual ending for a character, 
some people are, you know, I've seen push back against it because you can't have James Bond die. I was like, yes, but with this particular iteration of the character, we have actually gotten to see complete story of beginning to end. And I appreciate that. And I pre- and you know, if Bond's going to go out, he's going to go out saving the world. Even more so, he's going to go out saving his newfound family. And I thought that was a great way for him to go. I really think I'm going to need another rewatch before I you know, legitimately say where this ranks amongst Craig's films, I tentatively, I'm going to put it just slightly below Skyfall, which is slightly below Casino Royale. Like mm-hmm. those three are there really close to the top. And, you know, Quantum, you know, is not so far behind, but it's a little bit. And then Spectre behind it, which, which I don't hate Spectre that really, but it's just, it could have been so much better. And I think that's why, where, where, why it lays where it lays for me. So I realized I didn't actually say what I was going to rate it, but given all of that, I'm going to give it an 8.5. <laughs> like, I don't think it hits quite to the 9.5 or, or the 9 for me. Like that, I would have to reserve for, I'm not, you know, I'm giving away a Casino Royale or maybe even a Skyfall, but it is definitely up there. Yeah. If, we could, if we could actually talk about something, just real quick about something yeah, you sure. said about, and I, I agree with you with the comparison to the last Jedi mm-hmm. um, the split, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've been a fan of bond since, you no, know, I was probably eight, nine. when I read mm-hmm. you know, my first Ian Fleming book. Um, okay. And, you know, my, I think the first movie I saw uh, in the, in the theater bond movie in the theater was for your eyes only. Mm, okay. In reality, I think the whole issue of, you know, a woman being 007, mm-hmm. I really think that that should be a non-starter because I think where people were concerned was that the next Bond movie was going to have a female lead, which, you know, Daniel Craig has even come out and said that he thinks it should be a man uh, because that's who the character is. Uh, Ava Green has said something along, and along those what lines. what Daniel Craig also said was that he thought, not just that, but he also thought that there should be roles for women, that they, they shouldn't just have to be James Bond. They should have something that's good on of their own basically and, and exactly you know, i i couldn't you know agree agree more so mm-hmm. for the people who are you know hating on this film just because you know uh naomi comes in and she had taken over the 007 role mm-hmm. whether it was a, a male or female to be honest i think was irrelevant i think it's it's mm-hmm. important for a uh, social aspect mm-hmm. but you know to hate on this film just because you know they had you know you know, and there, there, those people up, are out there. They're the toxic fans, to be honest. That you know, I am, I am so over and done with. Mm-hmm. But I, I was thrilled with you know Naomi's character. I loved you know, the actress and how she played it. So those people just need to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the way they handled that whole situation. I don't know all the behind the scenes, but the way they handled it in the context of the movie, I thought was really good. I don't know how you could watch the movie and come away thinking that she was replacing him. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was and she wasn't. It's kind of like when you get a new teacher at school. They're not replacing the old teacher because no one really can. They're just doing the same job because you have to mm-hmm. if someone leaves. That's well, how that's, it works in the real world. And that's why I think it was really significant at the end when you know, it was her that came up with the yeah. idea yeah. of Daniel Craig's bond getting his old number back. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so he could go out as, as 007. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll see a, ever see a continuation of this particular Bond continuity, but I feel like in the future of it, if we did, we would see Nomi, you know, picking that 007 number back up. 
my theory, if they continued yeah. with this timeline, that it would actually you know, flash forward into the future and have his daughter like, be 007. Yeah, M- Matilda be 007. That way, yeah, that you know, t- it's, it's still it's still a Bond being Bond. Yeah. And with that, we bid a fond farewell to Daniel Craig for his James Bond films. I thought this was a great send off. We may potentially see him again in. Well, I guess we ha- we have not covered any of the other Daniel Craig movies here on the Spy Fi guys. And there's also maybe a few other potential movies that we could cover here as well. So that's not the last we'll see of him on this podcast. But in terms of in the theaters as James Bond, that's all she wrote. And we will be seeing Lance again in two days for clear and present danger. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Your 50th episode, if I remember. Yes. Not including any dead drops or uh, specials or uh, microdots. Yes. Right. (laughs) Uh, Lance, do you want to plug anything? You want to plug your usual? Uh, yeah, definitely have to plug the usual. You, know, you heard me the last time with the, with the James Bond draft and a couple other ones. Um, I'm a huge advocate for uh, cat and dog rescue, especially cats. Um, so if you're looking for you know a new pet, uh, like I was trying to convince Zach offline that he needs to get himself a cat, <laughs> please consider uh, foregoing you know, the kitten and puppy route and uh, adopting you know, a senior dog or cat. They have a harder time getting adopted, typically because of their age. They also tend to be shyer at shelters and so on and so forth. But they make awesome pets. Now, I've got you know, three cats of my own, uh, all over the age of five. Uh, one's five, one's six. Um, and my main cat, Big Kitty, is now 10. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> they're just awesome cats. So uh, if you're looking for a pet, uh, like I said, you know, please, please, please consider you know, going to a shelter and adopting a senior dog or cat. All right. Thank you to Lance for joining us yet again. We will see you in two days, as I said. And thank you all for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until then, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.